We're going to be looking at that passage in Luke chapter 2. And the message this morning is, don't lose your joy this Christmas. Don't lose your joy. And, of course, uh, it's not going to be expository. This morning's going to be more topical. And we know that Luke wrote this gospel. He's the same man that wrote the book of Acts. And most likely when he wrote this, he was in prison at Caesarea. And he was, a, he was a, a beloved physician. He was also a historian. And he was a fellow worker with Paul. And as we get into the Gospel of Luke, this Gospel is talking about the Son of Man. The, the Gospel of Luke is showing us the humanity of Jesus. Matthew shows us the royalty of Jesus. Mark just seems to be very quick at what he does. And all you see is immediately, immediately. Um, or straight away. But Luke is showing us the humanity of Jesus. And of course, John shows us his deity. Now, we all know what's in this gospel. We, we have Mary being visited by Elizabeth. And we, we read about Elizabeth being pregnant. She was barren and she's pregnant. And she, she gives birth to John, who becomes John, known as John the Baptist. Uh, and basically, that's the kind of scene we have set for us in chapter 1. But here, in chapter 2, verses 1 to 20, it's about the visit of the shepherds. Excuse my papers flying about here. Uh, but we know that the New Testament begins with four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But of these four books... Just one of them takes us through the actual scene. I'm talking about the scene of Jesus' birth. Yes, we know that the Matthew is used. The Matthew gives us the genealogy of, of Jesus. It gives us the, 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 the how could I say, the family background where Mary is a virgin and um, Joseph is betrothed to her, which was very different in those days compared to what it is now. We, we hear about Herod. We, we know about the birthplace. We know about the wise men coming and Jesus and Mary and Joseph fleeing to Egypt and many dreams. But it doesn't actually take us to the actual birth scene of Jesus. In fact, Luke is the only one that ushers in this birth scene of Jesus. Now, we don't know who the shepherds were. They're not named, nor how many there were. Yet characters are named Elizabeth and her husband, um, Zacharias. See, they're named, and it actually tells us that the two of them, there in Luke chapter 1, the Holy Spirit had made an impact on their lives. There's joy. Uh, Luke 1, 41, and Luke 1, 67, there's joy. When the Holy Spirit comes, he brings joy. The shepherds are an important part of the nativity story and should not be forgotten. In fact, they were the first evangelists, and they saw Jesus long before the wise men. It was probably almost two years when the wise men actually saw Jesus. And sometimes we, we have this Western world idea that we saw in the second DVD of Christmas trees and snow. And that's how it was. Whereas the first DVD showed us Middle Eastern culture. And sometimes we try to interpret the Christmas story with our own Western culture and what like it was. Now for many... 
What does Christmas mean? It might be a time of loneliness. It might be a time of fear. It might be a time of despondency. It might be a time of emotional stress. In fact, many people will actually be fleeing their homes in Ukraine, maybe freezing. Some will face difficulties. Others will have parties. Others will get drunk. Others will have completely no regard for Christmas whatsoever. But for others... It might be all about giving presents and spending money that sometimes they don't have. Now, Christmas is just around the corner. Two weeks today. So are you ready? Are you ready for it? Many of us have done the shopping. At least my wife might have. Do you have your presents all wrapped up? But this is Advent. We've had the first event. We talked about hope. The second event talks about peace. But the third event talks about joy. And Advent is giving us, it gives us a time to prepare for Christmas. I'm not talking about physically, but I'm talking about spiritually. Are we prepared? Therefore, to help us prepare, we're going to talk about joy, the joy of Christmas this week. In Matthew's Gospel, the second chapter, the 10th, ver- 10th verse, it says, "When This is the wise men. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. It's so nice when we have this exceedingly great joy. But we're going to look, if I could get my PowerPoint slides up, I'm going to look at three reasons this morning, three reasons that we can lose our joy. Over the Christmas season, there are three reasons. And as I've been weaving this sermon together over the week, uh, I keep changing things around. And of course, uh, I like to have all my B's, BBB or CCC, one of those kind of homiletical type of preachers. So probably a better word for business might be um, commercialism. And maybe that's maybe a better word. But just to keep my bees in place, I've got business here. So as we read um, in the gospel, if we can go to the next slide, please. The 10th verse. And it says in the 10th verse, let me just remind you what it says in the 10th verse of Luke It says this. This is what it says in Luke 2, 2, verses 10. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. Quite an old-fashioned word. I'm using the New King James's better translation would be good news. Of great joy, which will be to all people. Now, the first time... I heard a Christmas message when I was in Nairn. There was a pastor that was in the Church of Scotland and came out of the Church of Scotland. He he claimed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but he preached a message about the shepherds. And the free church minister came to me at the end of it, and he says, if that is joy, I don't want anything to do with it. And we looked at everybody going out, and this minister was saying, Their faces look like wet fish suppers. I don't know what that is. Um, But that's what he said. Now, I don't want to take your joy away. uh, So please forgive me if I I do take it away. I I just want you to be prepared not to lose your joy this morning. Please don't lose it over me. 
or my message. So what we get here is we get the message. Luke describes an angel telling the shepherds, and also it's to us as well, what the Christmas message is. According to the angels, Christmas should be about good news. That brings great joy. That's what it's supposed to be about. Yet your Christmas season might not feel like good news and you don't have great joy. For example, there's stress, there's family fallouts, people are overworked, people have got ill health. You might even be facing a bereavement. So what keeps us from experiencing this good news of great joy? And you might be familiar with what I'm saying. Yesterday, uh, I had to drop my wife off at work. And she asked me to take her, and she was given the wrong address. So, so she got out of the car to find the place. The place didn't exist. And so she got lost. She's getting soaked in the rain. And... She's blaming me, and I'm saying, look, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. So anyway, I tried to find her, and so she, she soaked, and I managed to get, get her, and I says, phone up the company. She phoned up the company. They give her, they says, oh, sorry, we've given you the wrong address. And so we had to go and find, find out the, with this new address they gave, gave to us, and, and my wife, she, she's Austrian. Everything must be puntly. It must be, it's got to be on time. If it's not on time, then it'll cause you stress. So anyway, we look for this other place. And my wife's saying, it must be up there because it's number 50. And this is Gabby. It says, there's only one door into the property. Um, and, it, and it's a care home. So she, so she went in. The wrong address again. By this time, she's getting highly stressed out. <laughs> I'm trying to keep her calm. And we, I says, phone up again. And maybe it's not gardens, maybe it's place. And it, was, it ended up being place. So we found it in the end. But that's what I mean. Sometimes these situations, they, they, they can cause you to lose joy. And we need to be careful that we don't lose our joy. And the next thing is, we all know that a lot of business is made over Christmas. Sometimes we create that, we manufacture that, because maybe we want this, maybe we want something for someone else. And so we're part of that problem in creating this, this manufacturing, commercial, commercialism of Christmas. So many of us have got to go to great lengths to have the best party. We've got to have the best presents. We've got to have the best food. And so we stress ourselves out. We've overspent trying to make Christmas the most joyous occasion. I don't know if it sounds familiar, but we've had that experience. Unfortunately, we think that that will bring us joy. And when it's all over, it leaves us empty and flat. It's not what Christmas is about. So when Christmas becomes hijacked by consumerism, it's not good news and it's not joy. Looking at verses 8 here, it says this. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. These shepherds were in the fields surrounding Bethlehem. They weren't out in the wilderness. They were in the fields. It is because sheep were intended for sacrifice. This place is very important because those sheep that were being kept were kept for Passover, which meant that a lot of money would be made. 
We know the story with Jesus. Uh, he found them in the temple, those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. And so for the Jewish people at that time, Passover was probably like our Christmas. And so there was money to be made. Now these, pre now these shepherds were responsible to the priests. Some scholars would argue even these shepherds were priest shepherds, which I don't find any evidence for, but some have that concept and idea. But the lambs had to be kept perfect. It was so important because if there was any blemish to a lamb, then money would be lost. And it's interesting that when you read, there's a, there's, there's, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Mishnah, which is it's basically a group of documents that record oral traditions that govern Israel at that time. And it says that the Messiah would be revealed from the Migdal, Either. That, that's what it says. The Messiah would be revealed from that. But you have to back everything up with Scripture. But what does Micah tell us? Micah 4, 8 tells us, A new old tower of the flock, that's the Migdal Eder, stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. It was an actual tower that looked out over the sheep. Because what would happen is those sheep would be kept in the fields. These were priestly fields. They would be kept in those fields and they would be driven down to Jerusalem. If you ever read the story of Nehemiah, you read about 10 gates and Nehemiah goes around anti-clockwise and the very first gate was the sheep gate where those sheep would come in to be slaughtered. So money was to be made. But what's important is they were shepherds watching their flocks of sheep protecting them. And when we look at shepherds in the Old Testament, you read about good shepherds and you read about bad shepherds. Jesus tells us about the good shepherd. Jesus tells us he is the good shepherd. And a shepherd will protect his sheep. But suddenly out of nowhere in this scene, an angel appears from heaven to announce the birth of Jesus. In verse 16 it says, let me just read verse 16, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. They came with haste. The shepherd saw something very important. For a shepherd to leave his sheep, he would be known as a bad shepherd. But they saw something very important because of what the angel said. Let me just read verses 11 for you, and maybe you might catch it. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, which means prophecy was being fulfilled. We know that. Who is Christ? What does Christ mean? What does Christ mean? Christo in the Greek means anointed one. It means chosen one. In the Hebrew, it means Mashiach. Mashiach means Messiah. So what the angels were telling them, they were telling them about the Messiah, that's what, it comes across very clear in verse 11. Who is Christ? You could translate that, Messiah, the Lord. And yet, without his birth, there would be no holidays, there would be no family gatherings, there would be no business sales. So here, we're seeing something very important. Now, the shepherd's focus was on Jesus rather than on the business. 
When they heard the good news, after all, we're talking about, about things that might take away our joy, take away the real meaning of the season. However, when we fix our eyes and heart on these other things that would take our focus off Jesus, for example, work, for money, gaining possessions, buying gifts, shopping, family visits, all these other things that might take our focus off Jesus, it can, it can, that can take our joy away. Therefore, what we're supposed to do is tell the world why we celebrate Christmas about a Savior who came to give us joy. This is joy that Jesus came and died and he saved us. This is a joyful moment. And yet, this is the reason for Christmas, because Christ was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Look at what the Scripture is talking about. It talks about prophecy in Micah 5.2. talks about a sign, a babe in swaddling cloths, a babe in a manger. There's angels. And notice what verse 15 says. I, think, I believe verse 15 says this. So it was when the angels had gone away, from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has come to pass. Prophecy. They must have known the word of God. So they come to see. So don't let business, don't let consumerism, don't let it take, rob your joy this season. If you haven't got that present, don't worry. Don't get stressed out about it. Keep your focus on Jesus. Don't let, don't let business rob your joy. There's a second reason that we can lose that joy, and it's the busyness. You probably know what I mean. Everything's busy, busy, busy. We don't have time. Many times we can get so busy shopping. It seems to be shopping, shopping, shopping. Thinking about what presents to buy. Yet there are there's baking, there's throwing party, there's going to parties, there's family, there's work gatherings. In fact, we don't let Christmas impact us in our hearts because we're just too busy. After all, the angel said, Jesus is the good news that brings great joy to us. He is the good news that brings us this joy. However, the busyness of life gets in the way. But the shepherds, when you read the story, they didn't let it get in the way. And don't we all like to hear stories? I once heard a true story. There was one mother. She was running about from shop to shop on Christmas Eve. Some of us do our shopping at last minute on Christmas Eve. But she lost her toddler in the process. However, when she realized that she had lost her toddler, she realized her toddler liked the nativity scene. So she went back. Here's our toddler at the nativity scene. He seemed so fascinated with baby Jesus. His mother told him, we don't have time for this. What is Christmas all about? It's about Jesus. That's what it is. It's not the shopping. Maybe we do the same thing, but just in other ways. Remember the story of Mary and Joseph. In Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 50, Mary and Joseph were so busy at Passover, they lost Jesus. And yet we get so busy getting ready for Christmas that we don't take the time to connect with Jesus. And maybe you've lost a child at some stage. We've done it for a few moments because we're busy. We love our children, 
But don't lose that connection with Jesus. That connection with Jesus is so vital. I'm dealing with a, a man, he's got Huntington's disease. He has watched his mother shrivel away and die with it. He, he has watched other members in this family shrivel away and die of it. I used to go and visit his sister and she was just, she was just a skeleton. She couldn't eat. It, it was horrible to look at. And then he got diagnosed with Huntington's disease. And sometimes he feels nobody really gets it, that I'm suffering, that what I'm going through, he knows what's coming because he's seen it with the other members of his family. He knows what's coming. And I said to him, I says, and he wrote me a message, angry with other people, they don't get it. And I says, don't lose your joy. Don't lose it because you need all the energy. And he wrote me back and he thanked me because God gave him that little bit of energy to do the things that he can do. And said, you've got a powerful testimony. Don't lose it because you get upset with people. And he thanked me for my advice. Anyway, as we look at Mary and Joseph, they were also busy. They traveled from Bethlehem, probably a 90-mile journey. It probably took them three days. I'm sure it was heavy going with Mary being pregnant and arriving in a crowded part of um, Bethlehem, uh, certainly not as big as the cities of today. After all, Bethlehem was where David was born. Bethlehem, it's interesting that Rachel, one of Jacob's wives, suffered and died giving birth to Benjamin. Says in Genesis 35, verses 19 to 21, it says, So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrathah, that is Bethlehem. Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. What we need to remember is there's some kind, there's, there's, a, there's a little reminder here that the Messiah, Jesus, would come to be the suffering servant. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 53, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Our Savior came to suffer. Let's not forget these things. And yet Jesus was busier than any of us. Have you ever looked at the life of Jesus? He's going where crowds are, he's praying, he's healing the sick, uh, he's teaching in synagogues, he's, he's debating. Uh, this Jesus, our Lord and Savior, I don't know where he got the time, but he had 24 hours like we all have. But yet, notice in the life of Jesus, he had time to pray. He had time to correct people when they were wrong. He had time for, for people. Time for the sick, time for the broken, time for the outcast, time for the sinner. He had time for you. And let's be reminded of that. And of course, the story of the shepherds is about sheep, isn't it? Really, they're looking after sheep. And the busyness of life can distract us. So we don't have time for Jesus. But it's Jesus we need to remember that gives us this joy. 
Maybe you're, maybe you're a football fan and maybe you like England. Well, your joy's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> For Scotland, it was gone long ago. <laughs> but people, there's so many things that are close to us. And we can, we can, we can lose joy, but we, there's one joy that we do not want to lose, and that is the joy that Jesus gives us. I've been in services where the Holy Spirit was moving in such a powerful way. And, and you, the Spirit of God was just coming down. And God was blessing so much with, with joy. I took my blind uncle to one of the services in Inverness. And in those days, people were, were coming to know the Lord, the drug addicts, the alcoholics. And I took my, my blind uncle and the place, the place was bouncing. And there was such a joy that even my blind uncle realized the presence of God was so strong. And, and we don't want to lose that. We can lose football or rugby or whatever it is, but we don't want to lose the joy that Jesus Christ gives us. It's so important. So don't lose it. Don't lose it over silly things. Yes, after all, the shepherds were watching the sheep. They were a lot of money. For Passover, think about it. However, they made time to go and see their Lord and Savior, Christ. They took the time. They went to see Jesus. They went to spend time with Jesus. And sometimes we need to take time out and spend it in Jesus' presence. That we need that. So important that we have that time. So the whole purpose of sheep was for sacrifice. And Jesus would become the ultimate sacrifice when we think about it. But then, so we've looked at the busyness, we've looked at the business, but there's a third reason that we can lose our joy, and that is over behavior. Let me read verses 11 again for you here. It says here, it says this. In verse 11, it says, it's, it says this. I think I need to go to the Specsavers as well. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This day. The Messiah is of the lineage of David. David was a Bethlehemite, came from Bethlehem, a small place, a quiet place, a place out of the way. And yet, what happens here changes the course of history. Jesus was born at the right time. The infrastructure was, was perfect. The Romans were in charge and they, they, they invented concrete long before we even thought about it. The Romans invented concrete. I mean, their roads, some, some of the roads are still there around today. When you look at some of our roads today, <laughs> you just wonder. But the infrastructure was brilliant to travel about. In fact, this is why we should be joyful about Christmas. Because God gave us his only son. That's the gift that he has given us. This indescribable gift of Jesus. It's, why is it so important? Because Jesus loves us. Jesus has forgiven our sin. Jesus gives us words of hope. Jesus can heal you. Jesus can set you free. What a gift to get. It's the best present. The very first Christmas was the very best Christmas. You won't get another like it. This baby grew up to heal, to teach to make whole, to forgive. 
Therefore, this is the moment when God enters into history and nothing's ever the same again. It's interesting when you go to Matthew's gospel, the very first chapter, you get the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Many times we're so focused on our families, and I'm sure the shepherds were because their families didn't come out with them. However, we, have, we sometimes have high expectations of our family, especially the family gatherings, but sometimes they fall flat. Last year we had the family gathering. It was great. It was wonderful. We all ended up with COVID. <laughs> so it fell flat. After all, there might be just one member in the family that can upset you on the day. Sometimes you get just one that can upset you on the day. Therefore, by taking our attention off Christ, it can often rob us of true Christmas joy. And our family, our youngest son, and this is the son of the pastor, we, we, we had a, he did a brilliant job on Christmas Eve. He managed to get most of my family members into church on Christmas Eve. And then we popped round. The family had, had rented a big house so they could all come together. First of all, I got into the politics. It's strange. When he entered politics, it's dangerous. So we managed to get past that. We managed to get past the football. All these things that cause arguments. And, and then all of a sudden, my young son was being fed with vodka in the kitchen. <laughs> and he was only 15 and he got drunk. And myself and my wife had to cart him home and he was coughing up. We had to call the emergency service. And, and sometimes there are things that can rob our joy. They can rob our joy. And it, sometimes we might not want to talk about these family events. But... In the end, we, we had to just warn our son of the danger because he was choking. But if you look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ, look at the genealogy, Matthew chapter 1, Luke's got the genealogy coming from Mary's line, but it talks about a woman called Tamar. Who's Tamar? She seduced her father-in-law and she became pregnant by him. Rahab, we know about Rahab, she was a prostitute. We know that Ruth came from Moab, and she was a Moabite who worshipped idols, but she came to serve the living God. Bathsheba, you could say maybe tempted David, or maybe David was tempted by her, but, but whatever happened wasn't good. And yet, these four women are named in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. But God has a plan. He has a plan to save the world through messed up individuals. And I'm a messed up individual. And if you're perfect, that's fine. But I'm a messed up individual. And God has a plan to save the world and a plan that includes imperfect people. Look at Jesus' genealogy. Just in fact, look at that line. And God used those people, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, to bring Jesus into the world. But it sounds like good news to me because I do come from a messed up family. My, my mother was an alcoholic, died of booze. I grew up with murderers coming into our home. I, I grew up sleeping with a knife under my bed. 
I, I grew up with my mother trying to set the house on fire and trying to stab my father in bed. I grew up in a messed up family. But my mother, on her deathbed, accepted Jesus Christ. My father was an alcoholic as well. And I believe 100% he accepted Jesus Christ just before he died. Because he asked us to play a certain song. And I said, the church have chosen that song. And when he was dying, it was on a Sunday, as I was preaching a a sermon... The very song was playing the very time he was lying down. And so I believe God was in that. And when we got to the spot, he was lying in the shape of a cross with the sun shining down on him. So God is able to save. No one, if God can save me and you, I'm sure he can save other individuals. And how many of us get annoyed sometimes when family, uh, peep members cause us to lose our joy? We get upset over their behavior. Some people actually say that the shepherds were, they were uncouth, they were, they were dirty, they were smelly, um, they were not liked, their testimony in a court was not accepted. When I did a little study on that, that's not true. A lot of our, we need to be careful with our commentaries because it was Aristotle that, was, that created that concept and idea. But whether the shepherds were like that or not, God still used them. God used them. And they were the first evangelists. And God wants to use you to bring the good news. It's good news of joy. God is not looking for perfect people. The shepherds were without their family. That could have caused them to to be tempted. Judah's wife, as we mentioned with Tamar, Judah, when his wife died, he went to be comforted. Went to the sheep shearers at Timnath. Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Seduced, acted as a prostitute and he was willing and yet through that line came Jesus Christ yet we might think we're better than others but we've been messed up sin messes people up and God wants to use imperfect people to share the good news that means this morning that God can take you and he can use you to share this good news it is good news believe me Last week when I was preaching in the church in Glasgow, the Rehoboth Church, as I was preaching, we were praying for people. People were coming to the front. We prayed over them. And two Hindu girls came up front and they wanted to know more about Jesus Christ. Hungry for God. We've got that message. Don't hold back. Share the good news. That, because once you start to share the good news, and I, we went away from that service full of joy because two sinners had repented and come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So share the good news. The shepherds didn't lose their joy. They told people what they had seen and actually they went away praising God. So I'm going to close. So I think the clock's died to me, has it? <laughs> now, if you, if you don't know Jesus, you won't experience this joy, even with religious activity. Religious activity is just another thing to do if you don't have a relationship with God. Don't let commercialism and busyness take your focus off Jesus. It can happen. 
Don't fall into the trap of having to be busy working at making Christmas the best. Don't fall into that trap. Focus on Jesus. Focus on the good news. Focus on the great joy. And allow him to be the reason for the season. There are three reasons that we lose this joy. Is it over business? Do we forget the message, what the message is about? Do we manufacture? Do, do we make money a priority? Do we miss the Messiah? Where's, what is the meaning of Christmas? What about the busyness? What, what, what about the behavior? This Christmas, I just want to say to you, don't lose your joy. And I leave these thoughts with you this morning. I'm going to pray at this time. Heavenly Father, I come before you and I thank you that you're the answer to all our problems. When we seek your kingdom and your righteousness, you add, you, you give. And help us to seek your kingdom and your righteousness. Lord, this Christmas, help us to focus on you. Help us not to be too busy. Help us not to lose our joy over the behavior of, of others. I pray that, Lord, that, that your joy will come. Your joy is full of glory. It's unspeakable. And Lord, fill us with your joy this morning. I pray for those that are maybe struggling. Uh, struggling because of pain. Struggling because of ill health. Struggling because of mental health. Because of the pressures of life. Because of the stresses of life. I just pray that at this moment, Lord, your joy will come from heaven. Your unspeakable joy will fill people. Lord, you showed the shepherds where the baby Jesus lay. That was good news. Lord, let other things not become the good news, but let we pray that you are the good news. You are the hope for this world. We live in a society where society seems to be broken. I look in the workplaces, people no longer smile because they're overworked, they're stressed out. And I pray that, Lord, that you would fill their lives with joy. That, Lord, you put smiles back on people's faces. Lord, just give us words of wisdom to speak that we can bring that good news. Lord, I thank you that you love us. You care for us. You want the very best for us. You've got good plans for us. And I just pray, Lord, come. Come. Come down. Bring revival to this land. Bring peace where peace is needed. Peace, Lord, your perfect peace that passes all understanding. And if anyone has drifted from you, maybe one of our relatives, maybe one of our family, you know who they are, Lord. I pray that this Christmas they'll be drawn back to you. Pray if someone needs healed in this service, the Lord, you can speak a word and heal them. We know that you can do it, Lord. And we thank you this morning. I thank you for this church. I thank you for every individual in this church. I thank you for those that have been working hard at trying to keep this church running the way you would 
be happy with. I pray that, Lord, you would reward them for that. And this morning I pray for the safety of the new pastor and his family. Bring them here to Scotland as they arrive into Inverness. Bring them here safely. And I just pray that you'll use them in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Because I believe that, Lord, you've got great things for this church. And Lord, I pray that you'll give your people here a vision for, the, for 2023. Give the pastor a vision for 2023. And give them a vision of you, the good news. We thank you, and I thank you, Lord. Amen.